0: That's a good song this time of year, isn't it, Brother Brad? Can you go back to the copy machine over there and grab two pieces of paper? They'll have two verses on them. Would you? Those have all the verses I need for this lesson message we'll share tonight. I left them back there. My printer's not working too good, and it's real light. And when your eyes are starting to go a little bit bad, and you have light print, if the lighting's not just perfect, it's hard to see. So the copy machine prints out really nice and dark. And so uh, then I left them there. I walked right on out and forgot them. So. Nonetheless, uh, we're going to be dealing with our doctrinal delicacies tonight. Doctrinal delicacies still, and tonight we're going to be dealing with we're going to be dealing with money tonight, money and possessions. And so we want to look at that tonight and consider those thoughts as we move along here this evening. And uh, um, so one of the things that obviously uh, is misunderstood at times is this idea that there's something inherently evil with money money there's nothing evil about money Uh, it's the love of money the Bible tells us is the problem it's not the money itself okay Uh, obviously uh, it doesn't matter who you are I mean money's a important aspect of our life today I mean in the Old Testament even you had godly Saints who were very very rich you think of men like Job or Abraham Solomon even David and others they were very rich and one of the things we found at least in the Old Testament not in the new really but in the Old Testament, God would often bless financially those who were so faithful and committed to Him. That was just one way He would do it. Now, in the New Testament, our blessings are primarily spiritual. They're not physical. So often, it seems with TV preachers and others, they're always trying to encourage us with the financial side of blessing and uh, try to give us the, almost give the idea or uh, infer or uh, implicate, uh, give the idea that, you know, if you're faithful here or if you give this, you'll get that and you know, you can expect God to prosper you financially, uh, materialistically, that kind of thing. But that's not true, really. That's not how God functions and operates in the New Testament. His, his primary bless the primary blessings that we have are spiritual. I mean, when you think about what we have to look forward to, spiritually speaking. I mean, you look at the Christians in the New Testament down through the years. Joshua mentioned in his message the other night, the uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. Um, By the way, that's what we listened to, too. We did not find a a church on the island. Um, It might be a good place for God to call me. But anyway, um, there was was not a place uh, on the island to go to church, and so we we listened to all the broadcasts. Uh, Matter of fact, Wednesday night even, we weren't on the island. We were on our way home, but we got to watch it in the airport. And so it was kind of neat, you know, having the option or the ability to do so, but Nonetheless, uh, he was talking about Fox's Book of martyr. Well, the New Testament Christians, if, if they thought somehow being faithful to God was going to provide them with financial and, and materialistic prosperity, uh, boy, i tell you what, they had a rude awakening, didn't they? Uh, there was nobody preaching that message in that day. And uh, yet it seems in our America that we live in, that often is the message from a lot of preachers. And uh, <clears throat> I would warn us to be very careful when it comes to money and possessions, that we don't somehow believe that is evidence of God's blessing. In many cases, it could be Satan <coughs> trying to distract us. <coughs> so we have to be so awfully careful from that perspective. But there's no doubt that money itself, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong at all with it. I, I had a preacher that I uh, went to years ago. It was a member of the church. He'd say, green goes with every suit I own. <laughs> and uh, you know what? I, that's okay with me too. So nothing wrong with that. Um, I guess tonight we just want to kind of get an an idea of of money and possessions, the proper balance, I guess, if you will. This isn't really a message on tithing. It's not a message on giving. It's a message on just, uh, it's it's an idea or a philosophy of money, how we should view it, uh, just our thought process. And uh, so we want to take just a few moments and do that tonight. We don't have a lot of time, but we're going to take the time, what we do have, to try to address that issue so let's have a quick word of prayer and we'll move along father we thank you for the wonderful opportunity that we have tonight to be here in this place lord again uh, as a pastor i feel so blessed and i thank you for the people of god that you've surrounded me with and that you've allowed me to serve side by side with and be co-laborers with together in the ministry and father we're asking you lord to bless us tonight as we move forward in our ministry obviously money's always a part of that as we move forward in our lives money's a part of that it doesn't matter what we do, where we're at in our life, we're going to need some kind of finances to help us get through life. So help us to have the right perspective, the right balance, to understand things from your perspective, not just the worldly perspective. Lord, we need you. We love you. <clears throat> we'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> as we think about finances, we think about possessions and money, there, are only, there is only one way to think about it as a believer. It's God's way. You cannot look at things the way the world looks at them and be right with God. You're either seeing things the way God sees them, or you're seeing them wrong. You understand them the way God understands them, or you're wrong. You put them in the right perspective as God puts them in perspective and priority, or you're wrong as a believer. Now again, it's not debatable. It's not, well, that's how you feel. That's what you think. That's what your experience is. That's how... You you know, you consider it and and, and view it. No, it's we either view things the way God views things concerning money and possessions, or we're viewing things the way the Satan and the world view them. So we have to be very careful with this because so often in a crowd like this and in churches, it seems to me that we like to believe somehow that whether it's the preacher or whether it's another brother in Christ or whoever it is, that you know, That's their perspective on things, whether it's money or whether it's standards or whether it's some other issue in the Bible. Well, that's just their... For them, that's good. For me, it's different. Well, that may or may not be the case. You better be careful that the Bible is not... And God's not the one speaking. Because if He is, then it doesn't matter how you feel. All that matters is what is. <clears throat> we have to be careful with that. So, money and possessions. Well, first of all, we learned that money and possessions are a gift from God. They're all gifts from God. And over in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. So we know that every good thing that we have in our life is from the Lord. And don't ever forget that. Sometimes when bad things come along, we, we like to give God credit for the bad. But let's make sure we're giving God credit for the good. Every good gift cometh down from the Father of lights. I mean, He gives us every good thing. If you have, if you have a good experience with your wife, let me tell you, that's all God. You're having a good, you're you're thankful for your children. Let me tell you something, that's all God. You know, if you have anything worth having, anything good in your life at all, it's the Lord. That's it, it's the Lord. You got, if you have any health at all in your life, it's the Lord. You know, it was, well, I work out and I take care of my body and I eat properly. That's all right. I've known people that have eaten properly, came down with cancer at the age of 30 years old and died. So it doesn't matter. I'm telling you, the Lord's blessed you with health. If you've got it, it's Him that gave it to you. So you have to be careful with that. Don't take credit for those things. Let God have credit for it. In Ecclesiastes 5.19, we read, Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth, and hath given him power to eat thereof, and to take his portion, and to rejoice in his labor. This is the gift of God, it tells us. It's the gift of God. So money and possessions are gifts from God. Uh, You know... um, you have to work to acquire things in life. <clears throat> That's all there is to it. Your salvation is a gift. Uh, you do have to put forth effort to, to move forward in life. <clears throat> but even the effort that we put forth is effort God gives us. The strength to labor is strength God gives us. We need to be very careful that we don't try to take credit for our successes. Uh, that we give God credit for anything good. Because the Bible teaches us that... It is of the Lord. So money and possessions are a gift from God. We are only stewards and not owners of God's gifts. And again, these are kind of things that you've probably heard, obviously, and you you may have a handle on. But the Bible tells us we're stewards. Um, Those entrusted with the care and management of another's household or possessions. That's a stewardship. So everything we have, everything we possess is really God's, and we're simply stewards over it. We're just managing it for God, so to speak, in His absence on this earth. We stay in His stead, and we care for and manage His household or His possessions. My wife is really a gift from God. She's not really mine. She's on loan from God. Right. Now, listen, that, that's, those kind of principles are very important as believers to understand. Our children are really gifts from God on loan to us. They're not really ours. Okay, they're gods. That's why it's important that you treat your wife with respect, sir, because the fact is, is that she's not really yours. They're gods. And when you damage or hurt that woman, you're hurting what's his. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get on the wrong side with God. And, and though, though that's his uh, uh, creation on loan to that to you. Man, you ought to take good care of that. Same with our children. You know, We owe them that. We, we, we owe God that. Now, not only are pastors recognized as stewards in the Word of God, according to Titus 1.7, the Bible says, For a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, not striker, not given to filthy lucre. Now. The steward of God. Okay, that's, that's the, the bishop, it says, or the, the pastor, if you will. That's fine. Someone says, well, that's good. The pastor's a steward. Yes, but the Bible goes on to tell us over in the book of, of 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Every believer is also a steward. So not just pastors, not just full-time Christian workers, but every believer is a steward of God's gifts. And again, that's such an important truth. So as a steward, we need to be faithful. You could probably quote the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2. Moreover, it is required of stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful stewardship. So we're talking about money and possessions. They are gifts from God. Money and possessions. We are simply stewards over those things which God has put into our trust. And we have to be very careful and understanding that now <clears throat> what value should I place on money and possessions? What value well let 's talk about a few principles that we find in the Word of God. Number one, we learn that we 're to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. We know that in the book of first John chapter two, verse fifteen, turn there, if you would please first John two fifteen. <clears throat> The devil is quick to try to disguise himself and his work as good. You have to be very careful. He is an imitator of things, and he will try to imitate to the very point of deception. In this case, we talk about the value. I mean, how much is a dollar bill really worth to God versus a dollar bill worth to the world? I mean, you start thinking about things like that. I, I don't have a dollar bill today. But I'm very blessed to have a 20, though. And that's good. That's even better, in my opinion. <clears throat> but um, it's because I just gave all my dollars away. But anyway, uh, don't you hate to have to give your money away? <laughs> but anyway, $20, there it is. There's $20 right there. Now, how much is that $20 worth to God? I mean, we're talking about the value that we should place on money? Does God place the same value on money that we do? I mean, is my heart more thrilled with that $20 bill than God's heart would be thrilled with that $20 bill? I mean, what value do we place on money and possessions? The Bible tells us to love not the world. There it is. Love not the world, 1 John 2, 15. Neither the things that are in the world. <clears throat> if any man loved the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, what, is, what makes the world go round? Right there. Right there. That's what makes the world go round. Someone says, no it isn't. It's love. That's why beautiful girls marry the ugliest guys in the world. For love. <clears throat> For money. Some of you guys, they must have thought some of you guys had money because I'm not understanding it to be honest with you.
1: <clears throat>
0: money makes the world go round. <clears throat> um, People are in business to make what? Money. Unfortunately, it seems even that sometimes even people that are involved in even the work of God find themselves more interested in what? Money than they do the work that God's called them to do. I mean, it's, it's important. And sometimes church members are guilty of being more concerned about what? Money than reaching the people that God needs them to reach. Oh, those bus kids are tearing up our buildings What's what, what? Wait a second. Before you before you go anywhere, why is that a problem? Because <clears throat> of money. Well, we can't. Well, we don't need to be fixing everything all the time. It's costing us a lot of money to have those rugrats running around in our church. <clears throat> That's because all you're worried about is money, or you're worried about how it looks or appears to us. Because somebody with money may not want to be here. Then money becomes the problem. <clears throat> we got to be careful with that. What, was, what did I just eat before I came to church here a little bit ago? What were those called? Animal crackers. <clears throat> They're killing me, okay? Those little things are roaring right now. <clears throat> so, love not the world. So, your possessions will one day be someone else's, by the way. So it doesn't do no good. You love them too much, you're going to end up losing them anyway. According to Psalm chapter 49, verse 10 through 12, the Bible says, For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. That's where it ends up. And their inward thought is, it says, that their houses shall continue forever, that their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beast that perish. What's he saying? He says we're no better than the beast. We're no better than the animals of the field. We're going to die. We can go ahead and put our name on a monument. We can go ahead and put our name on a piece of property or land. Name a street after us. But in the end, when it's all said and done, it'll be someone else's. You won't take any of that with you. Doesn't matter how rich you become. You don't take a dime with you when you close your eyes in death. Not one dime. Job chapter chapter 1 verse 21. he He said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You don't take it with you. So we're not to love the world, neither the things that are in the world, because our possessions will one day be someone else's anyway. And we can't take a dime with us. So what do we need to do? We need to build treasure in heaven. Not in the earth. Take your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. That's pretty simple, isn't it? Now, have you ever, you find yourself, and listen, I, I, I got to be careful with this too. <clears throat> you find yourself wanting to lay up some treasure, amass some treasure. Uh, I'm reading about William Carey and the, the, the missions movement to India. William Carey made it a point. He and his workers there provided nothing for their families and nothing for the future. They said everything goes to the ministry. How'd that turn out for them? Someone says it was horrible. Ah, oh, well, it seems when they got there, they were homeless, yes. They were being supported at the first part by the churches. It was given them absolutely nothing. They went over anyway. They were homeless. They had dysentery. <clears throat> they, they were moving three and four times before they finally found somewhere to stay. Sacrifice like nobody's business. But millions upon millions of Indians have been saved. I wonder in heaven if he'll regret that decision. I just wonder in heaven if he'll regret it. By the way, his wife was insane. They, the last 12 years of her life, she was held down with cords. But he still went. And she went with him eventually. And he did the best he could to take care of her over there. Eventually, after 12 years over in the ministry, it was almost 20 years actually, they started taking 10%. Of, and by the way, the money they made was not given from the states, they were actually working on the field. And they gave every dime to the work. They lived in commune living, four or five families living together in a place serving the Lord together, everybody working, everybody bringing their money together into one pot, just like the early church, and disseminating it, distributing it as needed for the ministry's sake. They got the Word of God into the language of the Indian people. They ultimately made an inroad, and they totally and completely turned that, 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 those people upside down. Now, things have changed through the years, but that was over 100 and some years ago. <clears throat> it was amazing what they did. But do you think, and again, okay, we can go ahead and talk because all we understand is it's all about my family being cared for. It's all about about this, and it's all about having a nice house and a nice car. It's all about having a good job and a good retirement. That's what its life's about. That's what it's really about. I just want to know this. In heaven will William Carey and his family regret the decision to give it all to God? That's all I want to know. I don't think so. Now, some say, well, that was just too extreme. It may have been extreme, possibly. But will they regret being that extreme? I don't think so. Will they find in heaven that they went overboard? I don't think God will go, by the way, you should have held back at least 10% more. I don't think so. I think they'll be glad they gave every dime. Again, what is, what, how valuable is our money to God? Versus how valuable is it to us? I don't know. I uh, think one of the greatest disservices we are doing to our young people coming out of Bible college today is telling them that it's important and their first priority to care for their families. You say, that's nuts. No. No, they've lost the... You know that I get letters now from missionaries that right in the very beginning of the mission, the mission president, they say, I just want everybody to know that my family is the most important thing to me. Well, what are you telling me then? The ministry isn't. Is that what you're telling me? Are you telling me then that if your wife gets a little disgruntled or upset, you're going to go ahead and give it all up because it's all about my family? You, you know. You know. The problem is today we got young people that are that are getting drugged into sin. They're they're falling morally. They're falling because of, pro, of, of of possessions. They're more worried about their bank account. They're more worried about their retirement. They're more worried about about how much they're going to make that year. They're going to worry about what they drive. They're so worried about that that they're allowing that to decide where they minister even because money has become so important even to the so-called potential men of God. I think one of the great disservices we're doing is somehow giving the idea to these men that their priority is to take care of something that God said is His job, and that's their family. And by the way, God's not responsible. God will not take care of what you step in and say you're going to take care of. If you make up your mind that it's my job to do this and it's my job to do that, then God will say, fine, you do it. But I'm going to tell you, there comes a point where we better start realizing that it's God's job to take care of some things. And one of those things is take care of my family. Oh, I have a responsibility biblically to work. But by the way, I might not be able to make as much money as a corporate head over here. But God's still equally responsible to care for my family if I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do and doing it God's way. We've got to get back to where we are serving God, not self, or not man, or not even our families. Money has motivated us beyond, beyond comprehension today. Everything's about money today, even in the church. Like I said, I've I got to go speak at a a church planting uh, conference out in Oklahoma in January. And I'm, sp- I'm preaching all these church planters. I've been doing it for 20 years, and there's some of them are just getting started. Others, two, three years into it. What do I share with them? Well, one of the things I'd like them to understand before I leave is there is no cost too great for the ministry. The ministry's worth it. Someone says it's not worth your family. God never asked me to give up my family for the ministry. Never once. Never asked me to do that. You never have to decide between your family and your ministry. That's never been a decision God ever expected a man of God to ever make. And he never expects you as a man of God in your home to have to decide between your family and the work of God. Never. He's never expected you to make that decision. Because it's not a decision you have to make. God says if he's called you to something, he's faithful to do it. I don't have to lower my priorities. I don't have to say that I can't give or I can't go or I can't do because I have other responsibilities. You be careful, just like those those shepherds. Take care of the responsibilities, but do not neglect God and his work. There's no reason you don't have to do that. Say you're a little radical. Do you think we got where we are by being anything less than that? And what do you think it costs to do what we've done here? What do you think it costs? You think it's casual Christianity that brings this stuff to, to pass? Do you think that the early church got where it was going by just casually being Christians? Nothing, nothing in this world gets done on behalf of God without a fanatical, focused faith. Paul said that they looked at him and said, You're a madman, Paul. You're out of your mind. And he went, praise the Lord. Good. Because I don't want to be anything like the world that I live in. So, And I know that sounds a little radical, but th- where does most of this come from? Money. Possessions. That's what's changed the focus and the outlook of ministers, of Bible colleges, of leaders in the ministry today. And therefore, our churches have taken on that mindset. Do we really need the best pews in our building when we get there? It'd be nice, because that's what unsaved people look at. So we need to be first class the best we can. But let me tell you something. God didn't tell us we have to have those to be successful. We do. Do we really need a big building like the carousel to make everybody go, woo Wow! No, not at all. We could be meeting in a tent somewhere, having a big propane heater blowing heat into it, and God could still grow it. I'm about tired of everybody telling you you can't start churches anymore in storefronts, and you can't start churches in homes, and you can't do stuff like that because people don't respond to that. I thought they would respond to the Holy Spirit. That's what I thought. But money has changed the outlook of the ministry, it's changed the outlook in our homes and our lives if we're not careful. Money's not what God says is most important. God is able to give us anything we really need. And we have to be willing to give as God directs and leads. He can make that happen. So, love not the world. Instead, build your treasure in heaven. I have a 401K. And now I have a retirement that you graciously give to me. But when it's all said and done... That will not yield me the reward that that surrendering and sacrificing to the eternal things will. It just won't. Matter of fact, I might not even get to spend any of that. And my family may not either. And then whose will it be? It'd be yours probably. Say it'd be your kids. Well, I don't know what I'm going to give them yet. To be honest with you, I'll be honest with you. My kids aren't going to get everything I save, because they're not the ones that's going to make an eternal reward in my life. I'm, I'm invested. I've already invested in them. Now, what they do will bless me in the future and eternity. But they don't need my money if they haven't learned how to make some of their own. They got problems. Right. I would love to own a lot of things one day. Do you know what I'd do with it? Give it back. I'd give it back. My kids, I'm telling you, they will not get drunk on the money I give them when I die. They won't have to worry about being corrupted by all that extra cash they're going to run into all of a sudden, as we're going to find can be very detrimental according to the Word of God. They never have to worry about that. Now, they're going to have to worry about that right now anyway. But if one day they did have to worry about it, they won't have to. I promise you that. There'll be a big wing called the O'Donnell Auditorium if I had the money to do it. And I don't even know if I'd call it O'Donnell. I'd just throw it up there and just have a nice auditorium. But uh, we have men in the world and men in the, the Bible that did the same things. It's awesome. Now, again, we can't love those things. We gotta, our treasure needs to be in heaven, not in earth. So where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, the Bible says. And that's why this is important. Where's your heart then? If money's what matters to us, then guess where our heart is? It's on earth. Do I I like money? Yeah, I love it, in a sense. Man, I I had such a good time on that trip not having to spend money, going into that place and pretending I was rich. I'll take that. I'll get that. I'll take that. Man, that was the best feeling in the world. I love that. That was power. But what if I said today, that's what I really want for my life, that kind of liberty, that kind of power. To be able to go anywhere, do anything I want without worrying about money ever. You know what I'd have to do, don't you? I'd have to quit this thing. And I'd have to pursue some kind of other service to to get to that place. So I'm not going to get there here. You could pay me $150,000 a year and I'd never get there. I'd have to make more than that. But what would I have in the eternity then? And you know what? What do we really want out of life? Are we living for now or are we living for then, the future? And biblically and scripturally, he's telling us, be careful. Money is a tool to use. It's a tool, but don't allow it to become your life. Be careful, because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. God wants your heart. He doesn't want the world to have it. He doesn't want Satan to have it. He wants to have your heart. So we have to be careful. The love of money is the root of all evil we find. It's the love of money. In 1 Timothy 6.10, turn there if you would please. I read recently, and I I wish I'd have found it today. I forgot to check it. But in a particular book, a financial book, it makes the statement that money is, is the root of most evil. It says it's the root of most evil. And I thought, and the book's good. Don't misunderstand me. And I think the principles that are expressed by this particular gentleman are extremely good. They're grounded. They're often very biblical and sound in that area. But he made the statement, and he wrote it out. He said, the, the love of money is the root of most evil. And I said to my wife, I looked, I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's incorrect. That's not biblical. It's, it's the root of all evil, according to the Bible. Not most, all. And that's exactly what we find here in chapter 6, verse 10, 1 Timothy. It says, For the love of money is the root of most evil. They don't say that, does it? It says all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith. It that when they made money too much of a priority, they what? Erred or erred from the faith. They got away from the things of God. They coveted after it. They wanted it with all their being. And he said that cost them their faith. He goes on to say he goes on to say they have heard from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Isn't it interesting that the very thing that they thought would bring them the greatest benefit is what really caused them the greatest burden. And that's something. It pierced them through. Now, again, I'm not opposed to, to money. Uh, what is his name? Dr. Anderson was here a number of years ago. Dr. Anderson was a millionaire many times over. Man, what a, what a great man of God he was and is to this day. So money wasn't the problem with it. But, but listen, the guy didn't miss Wednesday night services to build a business. He didn't miss Sunday night or Wednesday night services. He didn't even miss soul winning for it. He went out soul winning and he went to all the services. He would not compromise his faith for his finances. And yet he has a condo in Hawaii. He drives around a Jaguar that's $80,000. I drove it. It was unbelievable. I don't begrudge the man his money. Praise God for that. But he also is supporting thousands of missionaries, or should I say soul winners on the field. Last time I think he checked, there was over 8 million souls that have come to Christ as a result of the finances he spent, which was almost $30 million, I think. Now, now think about that for a minute. Isn't that a blessing? Can you imagine having the honor, the, the ability to give? I and mean, he still had a place on Maui, I think he said. He he still was able to provide for his family. He still was able to make a pretty good living. And yet he gave over $30 million. Wouldn't you love to be able to give money like that? Here's the problem. Could God really trust us with that? Could he trust me with that? Obviously, he hasn't chose to yet. He must know something about me that I don't. Boy, what a blessing. I mean, that would be awesome, wouldn't it? But it's easy to say, oh, I would give it all, boy, if I just got it, before you get it. But when you get it, would you give it? Well, those taxes would be outrageous, preacher, and you just don't realize how much it costs now. And in a business like that, you'd have to make sure you held a lot of it back and blah, 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 blah. I'm sure he was very wise in his finances. But by the same token, he was very, very quick to give. I think at one point he was given 75% of his income, if I'm not mistaken. That's pretty good. Might even be more than that at one point. I think in eternity, Brother Anderson will be glad he gave those millions and millions of dollars to the Lord. I think in eternity, he won't regret giving a dime of it. I'm sure he hasn't done without a whole lot anyway. But still, the point being, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's not money itself. Sometimes in church when we start talking about money people think it's it is money that's the root of all evil. It's money I mean money is the evil. We can't talk about money. We can't discuss money. Why is that? Maybe because it's so valuable and important to us? Maybe could that be why when the preacher and I don't do this often but you know the preacher gets up in churches and he says things like we've got to start giving till it hurts. I don't know, I, I, I'm I sure there's been preachers that have said something like that. And I just did. And we go, who does he think he is? How dare he? It's all about money at that church. Does that not happen in churches? Why, why do people get so offended when a preacher will get up and say, God, help us to give more to yield ourselves and surrender ourselves to giving to God and we all go huh, that's our money grubbing preacher He cares about his money you want to know why we get upset I think because maybe our money means that much to us that we don't like anybody even, even insinuating we ought to give it up I think so I really do I think that's up to God to tell me what to do I don't need no preacher telling me to give oh really well I tell you what I want to encourage you to do a study then On how much they gave in the Old Testament. And now that it's New Testament. I want you to really consider what you ought to give. Not just the 10% where the starting place of the Old Testament. But I want you to consider where you ought to be given as a New Testament believer. If you really want God to tell you. Let's take the time to figure it out. But I don't think we really want to know that. Because money is too valuable to us. It means too much to us most of the time. Whether you're a preacher or whether you're someone in the pew, it means a lot to us. We've been weaned on this stuff. We've grown up believing it's all that matters. And you know what? It's very often is all that matters to the world, that is. Aren't you glad that God uses people that aren't talented? You know why? Because God's not as impressed with talent as He is with someone that's just willing to serve. He's looking at a heart that has a, a willingness to do something. It's it's not ability but availability, right? That's what God's looking for. See, God doesn't need your money, so you don't have to be rich to serve Him. But He wants all of you. He wants just a piece of it. He wants all of me. He wants just a piece of me. And He wants everything that is ours because it's already His. We need to trust God rather than our riches. In the book of Proverbs, chapter 11, verse 4, the Bible puts it this way. It says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Proverbs eleven twenty-eight: 28, He that trusteth in his riches shall fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a branch. He goes on to say in Proverbs 16, 16, that there are some things more important than money. And we're going to end with that, but let me run through these very quickly. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold, he says, and to get understanding rather than be chosen than silver? So wisdom's more important than money. That's what the Bible just said, right? What else is more important than money? Glad you asked. A righteous life is. According to Proverbs 28, 6, the Bible says, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness than he that is perverse in his ways, though he be rich. So you mean the poor guy is actually in better shape that lives a righteous life than the rich guy who has some character flaws or is involved in some vice in his life? According to God, the righteous life is better than riches. In 16.8 Proverbs, it says, Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. See, this is God's view of, of riches now. What's valuable to him? Well, more important than money is wisdom or a righteous life. What else? A good night's sleep is more important than riches. You know, a good night's sleep. I talked to a man the other day. He only can sleep for about two hours. Then he's up. And then he goes back to bed and hopefully at some point he gets to lay down for another hour. He says he probably sleeps between four and five hours a day and it's all broken up and he has to take two naps during the afternoon to get that. Folks, listen to me. I don't know about you, but that's got to be miserable. When you can't sleep, you gotta, you're miserable. And the Bible says here in Ecclesiastes 5.12, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet. Whether he eat little or much, that means whether he's rich or poor, it doesn't matter. The fact is, the sleep of a laboring man is sweet, but the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. Doesn't matter how much you have, it won't guarantee a good night's rest, he's saying. Doesn't matter how comfortable your bed is, doesn't matter how full your belly is, if if you can't sleep, you're miserable. And that riches will not those riches will not guarantee that. So more important than money is a good night's sleep. Not only that, but God's word is more important than money. God's word is. See, William Carey understood that. William Carey said we 've got to get the Word of God printed in the language of the Indians, and we can't or we won 't make a difference in their life and culture, and he was willing to sacrifice his life, his all, for the cause of Christ, to get the Word of God in their language, because the Word of God was more important than money to him, and it is to God in Psalms chapter one nineteen Verse 14, the Bible says, I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. The psalmist says in verse 72, The law of my, thy mouth is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. In Psalm 19, 119, 127, Therefore I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Wisdom, a righteous life, a good night's sleep, God's word is more important or more valuable than money. Not only that, but good health good health in Luke chapter 8 verse 43 the Bible says and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years which had spent all her living upon physicians neither could be healed of any you know what she spent her whole life she spent every dime she had seeing physicians talking to doctors trying to get this issue of blood resolved and healed didn't work and she was miserable it bothered her. She couldn't. She, she, she went everywhere doing everything, and money was not the answer. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ came along and healed her. But the fact is, is that your health is more important than any amount of money you could ever have. That's a reality. That's why I grow a little weary with some of these healing preachers who have to pass plates in their churches two and three times. If you really could heal, my friend, you would never have to worry about having money in your church or in your pocket. Never. Just run on down to that children's hospital and heal a few of those little children, and there will be parents that would give their shirt off their back out of gratitude to you. You wouldn't have to ask people to give you money. They'd be throwing money at you. That's a, a big joke. But anyway certainly not scriptural, not in our day, not in our time. One day when we are raptured out, then all that stuff will start up again. But nonetheless, we have good health. And last but not least, quietness and peace is more important than money. Quietness and peace. In Ecclesiastes 4, 6, the Bible says this. It says, Better is a handful with quietness than both the hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. He says in fifteen sixteen of Proverbs, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great tr- treasure and trouble therewith. He says in Proverbs 17, 1, better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith than a house full of sacrifices with strife. That's something. I don't know about you, but if there's one thing that I enjoy about going home is the peace. Get away from things. People say, I don't know how you can handle doing what you do sometimes and some of the pressures. And the, I'll tell you one thing that makes a difference is when I walk in the door of my home, there's peace and quiet. If I didn't have a wife that was taking care of the home, if I didn't have a family that was in submission, I would have a mess on my hands. If I had to deal with all this mess at times and then go deal with all that mess the rest of the time, I would be in a loony bin. I would And that's why it's important That we create environments Based on God's word That are quiet Peaceful That's why there are some people That don't belong in your home Even if they're family Because if they can't abide by your rules And they can't follow your faith They don't need to be there Because all they create is confusion And therefore you have no place To get away from that confusion of the world You find yourself constantly under the gun God never intended it be that way Nonetheless, some things are more important than money today. Wisdom, a righteous life, a good night's sleep, God's word, good health, quietness and peace. Those are the things we need, aren't they? More than money, we need those things. Let's, let's strive for those things. Let's be what God wants us to be. Let's put Him in the number one position and allow Him to work in and through us, to provide for us, to meet our needs. And He will, and He does. And He takes care of us much better than we can take care of ourselves. He truly does. And you young men, you learn to be hard workers because the Bible says that you're worse than an infidel if you won't labor and work and take care, in a sense, of that side of it. So you say, well, take care of your family, provide for your family. Yes. You know how you best provide for your family? By being faithful to God and His house. By being a spiritual leader in your home, that's what will enable your family to grow and in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The finances will follow if you have a good character and integrity in your life. You will never have to worry about that side of it if you're willing to work. God will provide. Whether you're down, down the street just scraping pennies off the ground or whatever it takes, God will work on it. If you're willing to work, He'll work it out. It's amazing what He'll do for us. Well... Let's make sure we keep our priorities straight and understand what's valuable to God and what ought to be valuable to us. Father, we come to you. We thank you again, Lord, for all that you do for us. Lord, um, we thank you, Father, for the many blessings you have bestowed, both spiritual.